Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Absurdity Podcast. My name is Jeff Crisco, and I'm here, as always, with my co-hosts, Evan Hoovler and Mike Valverde. Boys, how you doing? Ready for the week to end. Hardest week of the year. Yes. Mike, how are you? I am great. I am super excited to uh, not only share my FanDuel, um, but I'm also super excited because Mandalorian... Season two, episode one airs tonight. I thought it was already out. I was planning on watching it as soon as this was over. <laughs> Is it nine o'clock? Nine o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Pacific. Oh, nice. Okay, six o'clock Pacific. So I can still watch it. This by the time you listen to this, uh, it will probably already be out. Now I'm I'm hyped about Mando too. That's a a good show. I'm ready to come back. Um, what's that Mandalorian? What's that? What's a Mandalorian? Do you know Boba yeah. Fett? No. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the thing I used to slice onions. No, that's a man. I know who Boba Fett is. He's a bounty hunter. Yes. So he's part of the, his race is the Mandalorians. Oh, okay. I'm caught up. And there's a Disney show called The Mandalorian where it follows another guy um, who is, and it's sort of like a space Western type thing. Have you seen it? You've seen Baby Yoda. Baby, Baby Yoda is everywhere. Sure. Okay. Ba- Baby Yoda is from Mandalorian. Okay, it's a TV show? Yes, it's on Disney Plus. Okay. This cool. episode is brought to you by Disney Plus. <laughs> Disney Plus and Mandalorian. Yes. Um, and Nick Let's Go, who's been stuck in my head all day. I forced Evan and, and Mike to listen to some Nick Let's Go songs before the uh, before the episode. So this is our week eight preview. Uh, we'll be talking about Thursday night football as well. And boys, by the time we're done with this, when we are done with this, we will be halfway done covering fantasy football 2020 season i'm ready for it to be done so much covid so many drips and drabs of covid so many annoying injuries We've got michael thomas out this week chris godwin out this week who else do we have out this week uh uh mark ingram's probably not gonna play um toss that all the other injuries on the pile cmc didn't play last night it's a it's been a very frustrating season i think and uh I, i'm ready for this one to be over and fast forward to 2021 yeah me too i i'm i'm, I'm tired of of uh, a, a great play happening, um, and the home crowd uh, a loudspeaker be a five-second delay. So you have great touchdown, and then five seconds later, you you hear the crowd go, ah, ah. It's Yeah. Just, it's like, okay, that, that would have been good five seconds ago because that's when the actual play did happen, but okay, whatever. Yeah, it's very um, dystopian. If you really think about it and what it reminds me of is watching preseason tape because they can only have the fans cheer to a certain decibel. So it's like, or, you, you know, the piped in noise. So it re- reminds me a lot of preseason games where it's just like, oh, there's some cheering, but there's not really a concerted effort to cheer. So it's uh yeah, it's uh, definitely a weird dystopian thing. So uh, today's episode, what we will do is we will talk about weird dystopian week eight, and uh, we're going to review my quarterback luck rankings. If this is your first episode, I jiggered some numbers together that um, kind of give a good idea about uh, quarterback luck. It factors in drops, uh, completed passes, intercepted passes. Um, it usually does expected touchdowns, but the expected touchdowns data isn't ready yet. Um, I use the player profiler, player profiler.com data, so we don't have that yet. I also calculate bad pass percentage and betray rate, which is what I call it. 
uh, when a wide receiver drops a um, catchable pass. I call it the betray rate. So we'll go over that data too because we're about the halfway point and we're starting to get some good information. Uh, but first, guys, let's talk about Thursday night football. Uh, Falcons 25, Panthers 17. And uh, Mike, you already know what I'm going to talk about. We talked about it on Twitter last night. Uh, I had Curtis Samuel started against me in my home league. And every single week, some random some random guy who never produces is started against me. And every week he goes off. And it's it's uh it's it's a lot of fun, I gotta tell you. I love fantasy football, <laughs> I love fun. And then in another league, I had uh Teddy Bridgewater, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson. And I'm like, Falcons pass defense. I'm gonna start all three of them. Guys, I did not have a good night last night. I was no. quite upset. A lot. A lot of this game. And then I have Calvin Ridley in another one who uh, oh. went out. Yeah, he went out with injury. He, People are saying Liz Frank, it's sounding now like it might be week to week. But uh, 25-17, uh, let's talk about your guys' questions that you had for this one, which was, uh, Evan, you wanted to know if it was a fantasy-relevant Thursday night football, which it kind of was, if but you weren't, not if you for the right Panther, people. Yeah, if you weren't a Panther or a Falcon who got injured, it was fine. It was fantasy relevant. But uh, as you mentioned, Gurley and Ridley went down, and the Panthers just couldn't get it going unless you were named Curtis Samuel and started in only leagues where Jeff is phasing you. Uh, yeah, so TNF strikes again is my my final verdict. Yeah, and and another load of BS in my home league. Uh, <laughs> Young Hui Koo killed me last week, so I dropped Young Hui Koo, picked up Joey Sly, thinking oh. that, yeah. So I got, I just got, last night was just me getting repeatedly kicked in the crotch. I did the one thing I never do, which is I logged off Twitter because <laughs> I got so annoyed. <laughs> but uh, uh, Mike, this, your question actually turned out to be a good one because this is something that we need to talk about. We talked about a little bit on Friday. Was Todd Gurley a girly man or a beast? And it was kind of both. He was, he was kind of a, a girly man. Um, and he was kind of a beast when he, so he had a lot of good runs, uh, especially as, uh, when he scored, finally scored on touchdown, that whole drive, he looked excellent, patient, looking for the holds, exploiting, uh, the gaps given by the defense, um, 18 for 46 and a touchdown that those stats don't sound great outside of the touchdown. I don't believe maybe you got one catch no did not get get a catch um uh, he was in and out of the game too it was weird yeah yeah and i think that's sort of what made him the gritty mind was the fact that uh you know I, I i don't want to say you know who knows what happened everybody said he was fine um no problem he was standing on the sidelines in front um basically by the coaches waiting to go go in and they just and put him in for whatever reasons. Uh, I mean, these are the Falcons. You, and nothing is explainable in 2020 about the Falcons. Um, sure. um, yeah, I, I don't know if it was his knees. Um, and he was just like, no, I'm fine. And they're like, eh, you know, or what. But, yeah, he, for, for three or four drives, he was just standing there waiting to go in. And they finally put him in. And then that's when he scored his touchdown. But up until then, he was pretty much bottled up by uh, the Panthers. Uh, he had a couple good runs, but nothing fantastic. Yeah. You know, I always talk about, um, you know, my arthritic knee vis-a-vis -vis Todd Gurley's arthritic knee. Or, 
I think I got that vis-a-vis backwards, but um, that was kind of what I was worried about was exactly what happened last night is that when my arthritic knee goes and <clears throat> I've been dealing with, I'm 34, I've been dealing with this arthritic knee for half my life. I got it when I was in high school. Uh, it really started to get bad. Um, it's bad for like 45 minutes suddenly and then it's fine. So that's, I mean, I, I, I don't want to speak for, you know, definitively what happened last night, but you know, Todd Gurley going out and coming back kind of fleshes with an arthritic knee, uh, at least my arthritic knee, the way it gets me, where it's just all of a sudden it just locks up and it's so much pain. Like people talk about how it's a pain management thing a lot of the time for if a player is going to play or play well. But this is beyond manageable pain. It's it's um, feels like somebody stabbing you in the knee. So I I want to know more than um what we have now before making a definitive decision. But I, uh, or I, I think that this is just something you're going to have to deal with. If you have Todd Gurley, uh, I did say to sell him last week, hopefully, I mean, you might be able to get something this he's been inefficient on the ground a lot. And if they work in Brian Hill more, that's going to be a problem. So Brian uh, Hill looked pretty good too. Um, he, did. When he was out there. So he ended up with 11 carries for 55 yards out of long of 14, but it, it really, you could see Brian Hill um, sort of getting more and more active just because Todd Gurley, you know, if, if he, well, to be honest, Brian Hill looked better than Todd Gurley. I'm just going to be yes. straight up say it. I was waiting for you to say it. He looked better than Todd Gurley. He looked like he was shot out of a cannon most plays, whereas Todd Gurley, the first drive was chugging. It was, it was just boom, first down, first down, first down, first down. Actually, it was three first downs, and then they started giving it to Todd Gurley, and they're you know they they ran him to the edge, and he hit a wall, and then uh, they had a little dump off to Calvin Ridley, and then they ran Todd Gurley around the edge into a wall again. And I like to watch the scouting feed with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks on Thursday Night Football, and they were they were apoplectic that they were running Todd Gurley to the edge, and they're like, get Todd Gurley going downhill. That is what he is good at, and um, it's just bad uh bad play call, I guess. Um, so some things we didn't talk about Julio Jones killed it seven for 137 on 10 targets. It was his 57th hundred yard game, uh, with Matt Ryan, according to the broadcast last night. And he had, I think it was 87 yards in the first quarter. Uh, he was absolutely killing them. That first uh, drive alone, I think he ended up catching at least four passes. Yeah. He was killing it the first drive and then they started giving it to Todd Gurley and then it was just, it all fell apart. Um, Hayden Hurst had what I call the platonic ideal of a tight end 10 game five for between 50 and 60. That's your tight end 10, 10 on the week, probably in PPR. Uh, uh, Russell Gage didn't do much without, um, Calvin Ridley's absence. Ridley three for 42 before he left with what was originally feared to be a Liz Frank injury by a lot of, uh, people watching the film. Um, but now the Falcons are saying that he might not even miss a game. So fingers crossed for that. Calvin Ridley has been one of the, one of the bright spots in fantasy football this year, DJ Moore, two for six, 55 yards, Robbie Anderson, five for 48, Curtis Samuel, four for 31 and a touchdown plus a rushing touchdown. Plus he stole my soul. Ian Thomas sighting three for 28. Let's talk about PJ Walker. So Teddy Bridgewater took two nasty hits on one play, one where somebody leg whipped him in the knee, you know, forgetting that his knee exploded. And then he took a nasty hit to the head and uh, he went out for a chunk of the game, but then he ended up coming back. But 
PJ Walker, if if Teddy Bridgewater goes down, I didn't I mean, I didn't see much that I was excited about. He was his passes were all misses, basically. And if they were catches, he threw one that was, I think, DJ Moore. It's going to be an absolute medicine ball. It might have been Robbie Anderson. Uh, he was an XFL stud, but uh, I think that that's where he caps off. So if Bridgewater ends up missing time this year, I don't know how interested I would end up being in PJ Walker. I would say uh, PJ Walker is sort of like a poor man's Lamar Jackson. That's a good way to put it, yeah. So, you know, he's going to get you a lot of yards on the ground probably if he had to start, uh, but he's not going to be, you know, throwing, you know, 250, 300 yards. He's going to be throwing like 75, 100 yards. So it's you'll get the yards on the ground for PPR status, maybe one touchdown. But, yeah, it's – yeah, he's, he's a very good athlete, but not a quarterback. Gotcha. Okay. Mike Davis, uh, 13 for 66, uh, one for 11 on the ground on two targets. His target volume's kind of dried up the last couple weeks. Looks like CMC is going to be back next week. I think Davis will have a rotational role, but you know, people are saying they're worried about Christian McCaffrey. It's Christian McCaffrey. Don't worry about Christian McCaffrey. He'll be fine. Um, I think that's it. Anything else? Uh, Matt Ryan, uh, 281 passing yards, one interception and a rushing touchdown. Matt Ryan had two decently long carries, uh, and he ended up kind of saving his fantasy day with those. I think he ended up with around 16 points in uh, four point per passing touchdown leagues, probably getting up around quarterback 15, 16 on the week, which is not what you wanted if you started him against the Panthers. So, all right, guys, anything else you want to talk about with Thursday Night Football? Um, I'm just sort of curious on how they're going to rotate these wide receivers because Curtis Samuel is definitely his role is expanded. DJ Moore was was awesome for the last two weeks um, and then fell off the cliff this week. I mean, he had, as you mentioned, two catches for 55 yards, but almost all of them came on that sort of like 42-yard pass play. Yeah, yeah, at the end. Yeah, exactly. And he was ineffective almost all game. I think he might have had maybe two targets uh, up until that point. Then you have Robbie Anderson, who blew out the gates in the beginning of the season, and has sort of fallen fallen off a little bit, uh, five for forty-eight. But yeah, I, I think you got three wide receivers in here that are interchangeable, and I don't know if you can trust any of them. I mean, are they startable? Are they flexy? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think you you have to start them, but yeah, I don't feel secure about it anymore as much as I used to in the beginning of the season. I am. Um, I'm chalking this up to Thursday night weirdness, like Evan said. Um, I mean, Thursday night is always messed up. There was a big rainstorm um, coming in. I'm not going to read too much into what happened. I'm going to stick with the first seven weeks that I had from Moore, Anderson, and Samuel in terms of my evaluation. I'm 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 fine starting them. I have, like I said, I have Moore and Anderson in a league, and I'm not worried about them at all. Uh, Evan, what do you think? Yeah, this was not Carolina's usual offense, their usual offense. I mean, the over-under was 51 and a half, and they almost got 10 under that. This this was not usual. This was rain it, Thursday. It was a bad game. So, Mike, I hope that helps quell your fears or your 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 nervous energy surrounding the Panthers wide receivers. I, I think we're all just talking it up to weird things happen. I don't know. I see Curtis Samuel coming on here. So we'll, we'll see. I hope you're right. I really do because uh, I think it should just be a two-man show between 
DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, but it just seems like every week Samuel's getting more and more involved in this offense. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Um, all right. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's talk about quarterback luck before we get into um, Thursday. Or, I'm sorry, into this weekend now that we've finished talking about Thursday. So, like I said up top, what I do is um, playerprofiler.com has some categories that I go through and I calculate um, uh, uncatchable passes, catchable passes, interception or interceptable passes, drops, uh, just some several things that I look into. And then I calculate a quarterback luck because um, if you know anything about baseball, you know something called BABIP. Okay, it's batting average on balls in play. A player can control their BABIP somewhat. Some players have a high BABIP. Some players have a low BABIP. But right around uh, 30 or th- yeah, right around 30% of the balls hit into play end up being outs. So I took that same concept and I took it into uh, quarterbacks. And about 6.5% of passes end up getting dropped uh, across the league. That was last year. This year is about 6.9. It wasn't that big of a difference so far. The About 50% of interceptable passes become interceptions. Um, that was 48% this year, 51% last year. But again, it's the middle of the year. It'll probably normalize. So that's kind of where I started with these luck rankings. And uh, I'll just tell you guys who got spit out as the luckiest quarterbacks this year, the top five so far, and um, the bottom five, and then we'll go from there. So the top five right now luckiest quarterbacks are... Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson, Matt Ryan, and Gardner Minshew. And this is kind of interesting because um, the this doesn't correlate to what I call bad pass percentage, which has to do with interceptable passes and uncatchable passes. I calculate that. So those are the, the luckiest guys this year. Again, Tannehill, Carr, Lamar Jackson, Matt Ryan, Gardner Minshew. One of the reasons I was in on Matt Ryan this year was because he was one of the unluckiest guys last year. He ranked 27th. Um, Another huge riser was Matt Ryan was 12th last year. And um, Derek Carr was all the way down at 24th. Now, I think Derek Carr, guys, I think you can agree. We can chalk this up to he has a much better wide receiver core this year, right? He's got, uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar is doing things. Uh, Hunter Renfro's come on. Darren Waller's doing Darren Waller things. And Henry Ruggs has played well while he's played. Uh, as opposed to last year. So I think that one, if you guys want to chime in about Derek Carr, I think that we can kind of chalk that one up to a better wide receiver core. Yeah, and they're not dropping passes. So Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they have uh, a 3% betray rate, which is the – one of the lowest in the league. It's not the lowest. The lowest in the league is Phillip Rivers with a 1.9% betray rate. So, Mike, there you go. You're – your your Colts are catching passes. Yeah, um, they are. <laughs> well, they're not dropping them. <laughs> well, they're not. Uh, as, I think they're not dropping them as much as they did last season. Last season, they were just like dropping them all over the place. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of that, of course, Eric Gibron was probably a big, big uh, problem with all of that. Uh, Hilton for some strange reason, probably leads the team and drops. Um, yeah, I, I think they, they, now that I think back a little bit about it, yeah, they seem to be catching the ball a lot, lot better than they did last year. Yeah, they are, like I said, the lowest drop rate this year at less than 2%. Last year, they're at six point seven or 7.7%, which was the eighth worst, the eighth highest. So, um, 
yeah, that's that's good to know. And just so everybody knows, last year the highest, I'm sorry, the lowest was 3.4 percent. So the Colts have a little bit of right sizing to do, even if they're the best team in the league. They'll probably be a little bit more drops. Um, Don't say that. Sorry, it's just math. I'm not. I'm not saying it. The math's saying it. And uh, if that starts happening this week, I'm gonna haunt you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, who do you guys think the worst quarterbacks in the league is? The highest bad pass percentage. Oh, I would say probably like Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is not on there. Haha. Because his catch, his he doesn't throw a lot of interceptable passes. He just throws bad passes. Daniel Jones. Yeah. Uh, a- da- Daniel Jones is tenth. The easy, it's an easy answer for the worst one. It's Drew Locke. We talked about it last week. Drew Locke is throwing bombs out that are nowhere near the players and uncatchable passes. He has a ton of uncatchable passes. And um, where's Allen in, in this? Where's who? Josh Allen. Josh Allen has one of the best bad pass percentage rates in the entire league. Does he is he really? fourth. He is fourth. Yeah. Because he's getting smarter with his passes this year with Stefan Diggs. He's not throwing. Let's see here. He's. I'm trying to see where his. I bet his that's inter- gone down. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I just think that's gone downhill since a couple weeks ago. Well, I have a theory about that. And we'll talk about that when we get to the Bills game. I have a theory about why why Josh Allen has been so bad lately. Um, let's see. Yeah, Josh Allen was 20th last year. And uh, he is fourth this year in uh, bad pass rate. He has gotten lucky with his interception conversion rate. He's about one-third of his interceptable passes are picks. Um, ben Roethlisberger is the luckiest, or the unluckiest. All four of his interceptable passes have been picks. Kyler second luckiest, Russ third, Kirk Cousins fourth, and Baker Mayfield fifth. He's thrown a lot of bad balls that uh, are not um, landing as as interceptions uh but the best passers this year teddy bridgewater ryan fitzpatrick drew Brees, josh allen and russell wilson except for ryan fitzpatrick not too surprising teddy's a safe quarterback drew Brees is a safe quarterback josh allen has been playing well russell wilson might be the best quarterback in the league so that's not too surprising to see that um is there anything else you guys want to know from this i got bad pass betray rate interception conversion and then overall luck Overall luck is is something that I, I I that was you you drafted I forgot who you said you drafted Matt Ryan because mm-hmm. I I drafted Derek Carr at the end of my draft because of overall bad luck so yeah, yeah I'm kind of curious on that one okay so so far this year bad luck there is some the the last step I haven't quite circled the the square with bad pass rate and uh unluckiness because you know if you're throwing up you know medicine balls every time you're going to look luckier in the numbers sort of like if every hit you get in baseball is a grounder to short the shortstop it's going to look like you have a bad babbit but i'm still trying to circle that square but as of right now the unluckiest quarterbacks are Kirk cousins and the reason for his uh bad luck is uh 10 of his 12 interceptable passes have converted into picks and again the league average is about fifth then Daniel Jones, which I'm willing to chalk up to him actually playing poorly um, because he has, let's see, interceptable passes. He has 10 interceptable passes, which is looks like fifth 
fifth most interceptable passes, but those are really getting converted. Um, and then one out of every 10 passes he throws is picked off. Then Cam Newton, then Baker Mayfield, then Russell Wilson. Baker Mayfield has been towards the bottom of this list a couple both both times I've run it. So I'm actually thinking that there's something in the way that Baker Mayfield plays that makes him look unluckier than or makes him look lucky even though it's bad passes cuz he's constantly towards the top in terms of bad passes and constantly towards the bottom in terms of luckiness. But Russell Wilson getting being unlucky is absolutely wild to me. And I think a good portion of that is him uh throwing to DK Metcalf who has a drops problem cuz uh Russ has one of the lowest bad pass percentages and a let's see 6.8% drop rate which is actually league average so it's a it's an interceptable pass thing is the problem six out of his seven interceptable passes have been picked off um but then you got drew lock big ben kyler murray tom brady and deshaun watson um deshaun watson is starting to come around i think he is you can trick somebody into thinking that they're selling high on deshaun watson is i guess the best way to put it um because he's he's bottom 10 in luck he's free from bill o'brien uh, his his usage is starting to round into form with his wide receivers, and that um, that to me all all to me tells me uh, probably a good uh, candidate for uh, tricking somebody into thinking they're buying low. Um, everybody else because he came out of the gate so poorly that yeah you know um, and then oh it just had this a whole summer of bad news where. It's, oh, you're like oh, DeAndre Hopkins. You traded DeAndre Hopkins. You know, none of these guys are going to be anything. And then the, they demonstrated that for at least four weeks. And so I think a lot of people have just sort of gone, yeah, Deshaun Watson, bad year, you know, and you can get him for that. Yeah. The first four weeks created a lot of take, what I like to call take lock for people, where people have their take on a player and they don't change it. And I think Deshaun Watson, post Bill O'Brien, has, has started to do a lot better he started to learn how to play with three good weapons instead of one just ungodly weapon in in deandre hopkins so all right let's go ahead let's uh uh close out the luck rankings mike thank you for reminding me of those we'll revisit those again at the end of the year i doubt much will change in the next four weeks but uh when we're recapping the year we'll come back to the luck rankings um i was really hoping to come up with some sort of like uh snippy what luck stands for but i'm just gonna say it's the andrew luck rankings does that sound good to you mike i, I like that yeah get, you get full approval uh points for that all right so they the luckiest guy gets the Andrew. well i guess the unluckiest guy would be the andrew luck award because uh i don't have to tell you mike how snake bit and andrew luck was yeah i was gonna there. say that works too so yeah yeah the, well, it works yeah, we'll call the unluckiest guy the uh, he'll he'll win the Andrew Luck Award. So, okay, let's go ahead. Let's get started on the Sunday slate. Um, but first, let's go ahead. Let's get some housekeeping out of the way. Advertisers. So, FanDuel, FanDuel.com/slash/football/absurdity. Uh, they sponsor us. We have a weekly contest with FanDuel uh, through our Discord, which is tiny.cc/slash/fbabsurdity. And uh, if you want to go ahead and get access to a patron's exclusive channel in that Discord, it's patreon.com slash footballabsurdity. You also get the second half of this episode, which is the answers to the questions we're going to ask. And um, if you want to get more data on everything that's going on, you can sign up for 4 for 4. It's 4for4.com. Promo code BEERSHEETS gets you 25% off. 
All right. I did all of that off the top of my head because I accidentally closed the document. So I think I did a pretty good job. Good job. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty happy with that that outcome because I accidentally closed it. And I was just like, well, let's see what happens if I wing it. So it worked. So, all right. Speaking of winging it, uh, Patriots 2-4 and at the Bills 5-2. and Uh, This is our first game we want to talk about. 42-point over-under. Buffalo, three-and-a-half-point favorites. And in a week of terrible over-unders, Mike, you mentioned it earlier this week in our group chat, this is the lowest. 42. Life, the universe, and everything. Buffalo, three-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. And uh, we'll go ahead and, um, Mike, we'll start with you. Is it time to raise the moss? And I'm assuming this is Zach Moss not checking to see if the Patriots should kick the tires on Randy Moss. Yeah, uh, you, your your feeling is correct. Even though the Patriots might want to might do need that. to kick the tires, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, because they're bad um, in that that department. Uh, so yes, uh, you know Moss. Uh, last week he rushed seven times for forty-seven yards against the lowly Jets. Uh, he also caught all three of his targets for twenty-five yards. Uh, in in the th- last three weeks, Devin Singletary has just been horrendous. Uh, so there comes a time where you're like, okay, well, this guy is not really doing what we what we want him to do, and we have this rookie. So let, let's let's give him a little extended look. Let, let's see what else he can do between the twenties, which has been Singletary's primary job uh, since the beginning of the season, and as you mentioned, they're playing the Patriots, and the Patriots are pretty bad against uh, stopping the run. They're the 20th easiest team to score fantasy points uh, for running backs, and they have allowed a running back to exceed 100 or more yards in back-to-back games. So this might be one of those, okay, soft defense. Let's see what Moss can do against sort of this defense and, you know, reevaluate and and check to see if Moss needs a lot more time, and it's very possible that this is the kind of game that they'll do that in. Yeah. And uh, one thing I like to say about running back, you know, the lead back duties in a backfield is is something I sort of cribbed from baseball. Um, if you can't tell, I, I, I started up in fantasy really focusing on baseball. So carrying over a lot of those analogies, it was talking about closers where it says there's two components to losing a closers job. One guy has to perform well and the other guy has to perform poorly. The guy who has the job. It's kind of how I see the same way in terms of running back backfield splits. And over the last four games, really, um, Devin Singletary has not played well. Um, and Zach Moss came in last week. He was injured and he uh, he had some juice. And uh, if we remember back in week one, he did score the touchdown, had everybody panicking. Um, but, you know, he had some juice. He had limited touches last week, seven for 47 and three for three for 25 yards through the air. But. You know, maybe there might be something here with Zach Moss. So I'm interested in that, Mike, as well. Um, one thing I forgot to say is the injuries in this one. Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry are out for this one. If you have Julian Edelman, he got knee surgery. He's likely headed to the IR. If you don't have IR slots, you have my blessings to drop Julian Edelman. He's been he's not been good this year, and he's probably he might not come back from that IR once he hits it. So that's just a heads up. Um, and for Buffalo, John Brown, who has a knee injury, ha- it was practicing in full this week. So Evan, you want to know what new England's defense is going to throw at Josh Allen? Yeah. You know, the thing Josh Allen is he's had three straight down weeks, 
but it could have been predicted. You know, he played two solid teams, and he played the Jets, who have kind of a sneaky, sneaky defense. And I just want to be able to predict it. Uh, and with New England, it is a divisional matchup. It is Bill Belichick. However, Stefan Gilmore's out. And John Brown, who missed the last three weeks, which are not coincidentally, the weeks that Allen did poorly in, he's hey. been practicing in full. So I think this is a Josh Allen not going to flip out, but sturdy top 12 week. And if that's what happens, Buffalo has their buy next week. I'm going to have to pick up a player either way. If Josh Allen turns out well this week, I'm picking up a player just for that bye week. If Josh Allen has his fourth straight down game, I'm picking up a player that has great matchups the weeks that Josh Allen plays decent defenses. Okay, yeah, and that was you you actually nailed on the head uh, my theory behind why Josh Allen has been bad. Uh, and it's the Beaslesfication of the offense. Also, Evan, I would suggest you refresh whatever schedule you're using because the Bills buy got moved to week 11. Oh, that's been messing me up all week. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I was going to say for buys it just comes out all wrong. Yeah, I have uh, I have Josh Allen in my home league, and I was like, oh, no, because my backup is Tua. And I was like, I don't think I'm ready to start Tua. I just stashed him because it's a keeper league, and I was like, oh, man, am I have to start Tua next week? But uh, but no, uh, Bill, uh, Josh Allen coming up, if he doesn't perform well next week, we're in big trouble because he's got Seattle. So we're in big trouble. Yeah, that's right. It's Seattle and Arizona's secondary is next, and that's not very good. Okay, then the bye. Okay, so yeah. even if it's a poor, poor game, you can still – Ride him to the bye. All right. Yeah. So I have that was my theory was Josh Allen. Uh, with Josh Allen was John Brown. John Brown. He missed two, three games ago. He was banged up in the KC game. He wasn't looking right. He was hobbled. And then he missed last week. So I think it's a a, a problem. What I call the Beasles Beasles of the offense. Just too much. Just too much Cole Beasley. Too much. Too focused on him. Too much dink and dunk. Too much drop off. And it's uh, it's uh, making the offense much less vertical, which is Josh Allen's game, and it's causing some trouble. So we'll see how it goes. I'm excited for uh, Bills Patriots because uh, I like the Bills, and hopefully uh, the Bills do the Patriots what the 49ers did to the Patriots. All right. Speaking of what the 49ers did to the Patriots, I think the Titans will be doing that to the Cincinnati Bengals. Ta- Titans 5 and 1, Bengals 1 5 and 1, 53 and a half point over under. Tennessee 5 and a half point favorites. Injuries in this one, Joe Mixon is out. Um if you read the tea leaves earlier this week, uh, you, you kind of saw it trending that direction. Uh, they were saying, you know, we were holding out hope, but it doesn't look like it's going to be this week. That was the news from earlier today before they ruled Joe Mixon out uh, for the Titans. A.J. Brown missed Thursday with a knee injury. He was back full on Friday. I think it was just a rest day for A.J. Brown. So no Joe Mixon in this one. Um, So Giovanni Bernard, you know, I would say as a flex, you can go ahead, fire him back up. He's going to catch passes five for five for 59 yards last week, even though his rushing was, we'll say, lackluster. He's okay as a flex this week. But uh, uh, Evan, you want to know if AJ Green's going to continue to be the high end target for the uh, Bengals? Yeah, AJ Green's back. I after, guess after you got dropped in a bunch of leagues, he's had eleven. He's seventy four percent rostered right now. He's had twenty four targets in his last 
two games combined. And he plays a Tennessee secondary that is not good. So I, this this could work out great. We could have uh, – I always don't like when fantasy reliables leave the player pool. So he might be storming back here. Uh, check your leagues. Check your leagues because it's a good start. Yeah, I uh, I played taps for him in the drop article and everything. I declared him done forever, and uh, I guess I was wrong. Mike, are you trusting AJ Green again? Yeah, I, I think I think definitely uh, they've they're really making a concerted effort uh, at going at him. I think three weeks ago uh, I sort of saw that because I, I charted that game and you could see them really pressing the issue of of going to AJ Green and whatever. St- Whatever mess, whatever stink he caused that said, hey, you know what? I am A.J. Green. I am a future Hall of Famer. You should be throwing me the ball has worked uh, because since three weeks ago, that's what we've seen is more targets go to go to him. Even though he was getting an obscene amount of targets, I don't really know how good those targets were from Burrow. But now they seem to be right, uh, correct, more more on him. He's getting more receptions. So, uh, yeah, I, I would be happy to start A.J. Green almost every week. So would you be happy to start Joe Burrow this week? You want to know if he's going to have back-to-back top 10 weeks. Yeah, you know, and as Evan pointed out, the Tennessee defense is bad uh, against quarterbacks. They're the 24th easiest team to score on for quarterbacks uh, with fantasy points. They uh, The Titans have allowed two or more scores since week one and 250-plus yards passing since that point as well. Um, and if you want to go back and look at who's who's been just trashing the Titans, players like Kirk Cousins, Gardner Mishu, and Deshaun Watson all have had great days against them. Uh, we saw that last week with Ben Roethlisberger, and I think you're going to see that again um, with, with Joe Burrow. He finished as a QB3 last week. I think he's going to finish in the top 10 again this week. Wow, okay. Interesting. So would you start Burrow or Tannehill? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I think they're both kind of sort good to end, be sort of the same same way. I probably would lean more towards Burrow because I could see the Titans taking a big lead against the Bengals, and then that would force Burrow to throw more and Tannehill to throw less. So I would probably lean towards Burrow just because of that factor alone. Okay, and that's a decision some people might have to make because they're both, uh, they both started the season in that streaming consideration, and they uh, have both kind of graduated a little bit from that. So there you go. If yeah, you're thinking. It definitely. That's a good question. I'm sort of looking at it sort of the same way. I have Burrow, I have Carr, and I'm like, okay, you know. Yeah. What are you gonna What are you gonna do there, Burrow or Carr? I think I'm gonna go with Carr, but I'm definitely like, you know, I don't know. I should go with Burrow, but yeah. Huh. Okay. Sounds yeah, I, I know that feeling where you're like, uh, uh, I know I should be going with this guy, but I'll probably be going with this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then hopefully that's the right call, and it usually isn't for me. So yeah, yeah, that's what I was trying to decide this week between DJ Moore and um, some other guy. I forget. And I was like, you know what? And I will just go ahead and pull the trigger on this, and uh, it did not work out well for me. So oh well, oh well. So speaking of things that don't work out, uh, Cleveland hosts the Raiders. Nailed it. 52.5 point over under. Cleveland 2.5 point favorites. The thing that doesn't work is 
Odell Beckham's knee. There you go. Tore his ACL. He's out for the year. Uh, so you can go ahead and safely cut him in all your redraft leagues. He ain't coming back. Austin Hooper is not playing in this one. Still recovering from his appendectomy. Nick Chubb's probably going to be back after the week nine bye. Uh, so that's what they were saying about him. So if you have Chubb, don't even consider starting him this week. Uh, Josh Jacobs for the Raiders was limited in practice this week, but he should be good to go. So Mike, you want to know who emerges in this Cleveland passing game without Odell Beckham? Yeah, so they have, I'm looking at two players, really. I'm looking at Rashad Higgins, who's been with the Browns for at least the last five years or so. Um, and then they have, on the other end, they have rookie Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, of you, course. Didn't you like DPJ? I did like DPJ. Yeah. But I don't know if that was biased because I'm a huge Michigan supporter. Oh, <laughs> But, yeah, a five-star athlete that never really kind of lived up to that uh, playing on Michigan. But we'll see. Um, They also, you know, have options, tight end options galore. Austin Hooper, David Nchugoku, Harrison Bryant. Uh, I'm looking more towards Higgins, who's played well over the last three games. Uh, Last week he caught all six of his targets for 110 yards. of course, the other options are, you know, do, do you target Landry more? Are, are you going to dump off the hunt? Um, are they going to be the target hogs? Um, as far as the Raiders' defense goes, they're the 22nd worst in points allowed to wide receivers, but the 13th best against tight ends. So I don't really see uh, Baker Mayfield going to the tight ends uh, over and over again. I really see one of these wide receivers really stepping up. I'm thinking it's going to be Higgins, but... Yeah, I want to take a deep dive look at this once this game is played and see exactly how they uh, rotated the offense uh, for, you know, in this competition. Yeah, I uh, my money would be on Higgins just because, you know, DPJ is a later pick. They you know, Higgins has been there. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, so, yeah, that that's actually a really interesting one. Evan. You want to know about your boy, Joshua Jacobs, if he's back on track to remind us that he is, in fact, a running back one in this league. Because people forgot. People forgot that Josh Jacobs is what the offense runs through. Uh, I saw someone in the Discord wondering if they should trade him for Kareem Hunt. Come on. This guy had a game against Tampa Bay that nobody does well against. Uh, The Tampa Bay is insane. And he played two of his games injured. And he's still right on the outside of a top 12 RB. Uh, This is going to be a high offensive flow game. It's not like Oakland and Cleveland are going to grind to a halt. And Josh Jacobs should be back to show everyone, look, this guy gets 20 carries. This guy gets scoring opportunities. Kareem Hunt's great. But he's not Josh Jacobs great, especially with Chubb coming back to take away touches. So, yeah, I'm watching to make sure, like, am I not seeing something that other people are seeing? Or is what usually happens where other people are just looking at the stats, whereas I'm looking at the tape and the game script? You mean people are panicking? That's what you're saying? Yeah. Wow, I'm shocked. Nobody ever panics in fantasy football. Ah. (laughs) Nobody ever freaks out over nothing. They don't. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right. let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next one. Mike, your boys, the Colts, they're four and two. They're going to Detroit. That's a 50 point over under. Colts are three point favorites, and 
Mike, you want to know if your boy, Mr. Rivers, Philip the River, can uh, have back-to-back top 12 weeks. So if he can keep this ball rolling, that's what you're looking to see. Yeah, uh, two weeks ago, they, last week they had a bye. So two weeks ago, they played the Bengals, and he finishes a QB5. I think that was probably his highest that he's had all season by far. And then now he has the Lions, and they're the 23rd. Uh, they allow the 23rd most points to quarterbacks. So they're, as we know, said their secondary is bad. Uh, however, interesting enough, Detroit is sort of turning the corner and getting better at stopping the pass. They have allowed only 300-yard passer, um, one 300-yard passer this season. And Easy for you to say? Yeah, exactly, right? Um, and in their last three contests, their last three games, they've only allowed four touchdowns. So they're allowing like one touchdown per game. Uh, it's yeah, even less than that. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if, if the Lions are as bad as, you know, being the 23rd team that allows the most points, or are they the team that don't allow a lot of yards and for the last three games, not very many touchdowns either. Um, we'll see what, what Lions situation we get. But I, I think if you're looking at Rivers as a top 12, that's probably going to be doable for you guys uh, as a good streaming option. Um, but I, I, I don't think he's going to be much better than a, than a QB 12 through a QB 10. Yeah, and Mike, I think a lot of that has to do, you mentioned that the Lions are getting better on in their pass defense. I think a lot of that has to do with Jeff Okuda. I think he missed just week one, but he's been rounding into shape pretty well. He's their number three overall pick, I want to say. Maybe number five. I think it was three. Uh, the cornerback out of Ohio State, a very, very, very good player. He was a guy who I liked uh, coming in, and uh, he looked good. He's starting to look good, and I think he's doing what the Lions anticipated he would do uh, for them on defense. I forgot to mention injuries in this one. Big Mac, Mo Ali Cox, he returned to practice. Um, Mike, you mentioned it beforehand. Is he likely to play? I don't know. They said that he's it's sort of, um, I don't know, questionable, or he came up on the practice report. I forget exactly which, but I don't. I, if if they if they're sort of in a position where they're they're debating on whether they should give Mo Ali Cox another week or so, I think they're going to give they're going to put him on on the bench because. They don't really need to rush them back with the tight end situations that they that they have. As we've seen, Trey Burton has just been completely dominant in his absence. So if it's an iffy situation, I don't see uh, Allie Cox playing this week. All right, then. But, yeah, you wouldn't want to start him even if he was available because uh, it looks like Trey Burton has taken that over. Um, and yeah. then good news. Yeah, good news for the, the Colts, too. He's not going to play this week. But Michael Pittman, uh, if you remember, he had a scary compartment syndrome. Uh, issue going on in, I believe, his leg. Uh, but they have designated him as a return from IR candidate. So they have three weeks to activate him or stash him on uh, permanent IR for this year. So uh, good for Michael Pittman. Glad to see him getting back out there. And uh, once he recovers from it, he should be okay. He might be hobbled. We saw it with Tyler Lockett last year. There was compartment syndrome concerns after the San Francisco game, and he was kind of hobbled the rest of the year. So, Evan, I'm going to read what you asked word for word here, okay? Who wins the battle of DeAndre Jonathan? What? <laughs> it was who wins the battle of Taylor Swift, and I wasn't going to give him the 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 pleasure of hearing me actually say it. Ever since the draft happened, the NFL draft, 
uh, fans of country crossover musician Taylor Swift. They call themselves my sister. They call themselves Swift. They call themselves Swifties. Jeff have had this game circled on their calendar. You've got two amazing upstarts in Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift, and I want to know which one's going to do better. Taylor has worked his way into the double-digit carries role. Seems quite comfortable in that offense. Swift has seen more and more usage and seems to be a favorite red zone uh, player for them to uh, call plays around. So I'm going to say the defense decides it. And Indianapolis' defense is a lot better than Detroit's defense. So I'm calling right now, in the battle for Tay-Tay, it's going to be Jonathan Taylor. You th- yeah, I think... I think uh, Actually, Mike, I want to hear what you think. Um, About what? I mean, DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift versus Jonathan Taylor. Taylor Swift's last album, of course. Of course. Um, you know, I, I think um, that Jonathan Taylor is pretty much has the backfield to himself. Uh, you know, they run in Naheem Hines in there every once in a while, and uh, Jordan Wilkins very sporadically. But it, it's basically Jonathan Taylor's backfield where I see Swift inching a little bit more and a little bit more. So I also didn't like the fact that Adrian Peterson got sort of that goal line carry. Um, So they're still looking at him as a goal line back instead of just completely DeAndre Swift, who is a much better goal line guy. I think Um, just much more speedier uh, can, can do more things, catch the ball, that kind of stuff. So I just based on volume usage, I'm going to go with Taylor. Okay. I will go Swift. (laughs) <laughs> Not really, because the Indianapolis defense is really good. I will also go Taylor. All right, next one up. Uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis, Vikings, 1-5. Green Bay, 5-1. This is a 52.5 point over under. Green Bay, 6.5 point favorites. But the line does not include Dalvin Cook, who is either off the injury report or questionable. With his groin injury, I have seen both today. It looks like they originally pulled him off of the injury report, uh, forgot that he was still injured, and put him back on the injury report. But to me, that bodes well for how he's doing because uh, that probably tells me that the coaches think he'll be good to go on Sunday, but realize they did have to list him because he's still a little banged up. So Dalvin Cook, if you got him, start him. For the uh, Green Bay Packers, um, Mason Crosby... Missed practice Wednesday and Thursday. He might not play this weekend with a calf and a back injury. So double check your kickers if you have them. Just make sure it's not Mason Crosby. I know we all forget who our kickers are. Uh, Robert Tanyan is practicing full with an ankle injury. Alan Lazard was back at practice. Who was He was kind of killing it before he got core muscle surgery. And the big one, Aaron Jones, who's been dealing with a calf injury, will not play this weekend. They ruled him out for this game. So he will not be playing in this matchup and Evan you want to know it feels like a slam dunk obvious to project matchup but as a divisional game less so and I'm going to disagree with you I don't think it's easy to project yeah that's my problem I want things to be predictable I don't care if it means that every player in my team is going to be lousy I can work with with knowledge better than I can work with luck and this seems like a slam dunk Minnesota clearly does not care because they traded away their best pass pass rusher uh Green Bay still got uh, Rodgers and their Adams is back and Minnesota is not good at the pass. I feel like this is going to be a, a slam dunk for fantasy and real life for Green Bay and Minnesota. I don't know. Dalvin Cook's banged up. Like I said, like you said, a play start. Is he going to be on a snap count? I don't know what's going on, but 
I don't Minnesota's not a team that's built to boat race. And so feels like, hey, watch out. They might stop giving Dalvin Cook the ball so much if they're down by two scores. But yeah, it's divisional and any given Sunday. So I'm wondering if this goes the way I think it's obviously going to go or if I'm missing some things. I'm going to answer your question with a question. With all the information we have right now, are we starting? Uh, would you feel more comfortable starting Alexander Madison or Jamal Williams? Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams. Okay. Yeah. What about uh, what about Dalvin Cook or Jamal Williams? Jamal Williams. Mike, what about you? Uh, I'd go Jamal Williams over Madison, but Cook over uh, um, Jamal. Yeah, I w- I would have to. I think I would have to agree there, but I'm not sure because, like Evan said, they got rid of both. They got rid of uh, Yannick and Gakwe, and then um, was Griffin still on them? I know Everson Griffin got traded today, and these players, yeah. Oh no, he was on the Cowboys. Okay, so um, so yeah, they got rid of Yannick and Gakwe a couple weeks ago. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But Mike, you want to know if Justin Jefferson can keep the ball rolling as a top twenty-four? Yeah, I did the same thing with Everson Griffin, too. I'm like, oh, yeah, Vikings are trading away all their defensive players. And and they're like, Jefferson from the Cowboys. I'm like, oh. The Cowboys, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, That was, I guess, from when they already were deciding that they were getting rid of all of their uh, uh, defensive guys this offseason. The fans, yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, as far as Jefferson goes, so the Vikings had a bye week last week. Uh, but in week six, Justin Jefferson was the number one wide receiver on the board with his nine receptions for 166 yards and two touchdowns against the Falcons. Uh, but now he's got the Packers, and they're the 11th toughest against wide receivers. Uh, in week one, the Vikings faced Green Bay, and Jefferson you know, was just getting his feet wet as a rookie, getting learning the offense, and Cousins... Uh, Basically went to Adam Thielen, uh, who had a six for 110. And he finished as a wide receiver four. So if Thielen, Thielen finishes a wide receiver four against the Packers uh, in week one, who says that Jefferson can't finish as a wide receiver four? Or at least in the top 24, I, I think Jefferson has a great opportunity against the Packers to be somewhere in the top 24, if not better. I, if you have Jefferson, roll with him, get him in there somehow, even if it's a flex option, but definitely get him in here in there because I think he's going to dominate against the, the Packers. Yeah, I think that that's a safe bet. Uh, I also think uh, over under 150 receiving yards for Devontae Adams this weekend. Um, I'm going to go, uh, oh, for Devontae Adams? Yeah. Oh, you kind of threw me a curveball there. Uh, I did. Um, I'm going to go with under, but barely under. So like 146? Yeah, I'm thinking like, yeah, yeah, 146, 145, exactly. Okay. Because um, he had 156 when these two teams matched up in week one. So, um, yeah, he would, he, so he'd take a step back. He would collapse. He would, he would regress from the 156 to the 146, regress back yeah. down. Total, total collapse. Get him out of your line. 100 yards. He, he doesn't need to be in your line. Scrub. No. All right. Speaking of scrubs, 
good news. The Jets and Chiefs are a combined six and eight, so not so bad. Uh, but the Jets are 0 of 7 and the Chiefs are 6 and 1. 49 point over under and the Chiefs are favored by 19 and a half points. <laughs> Just think about that. 19 and a half points. That's that, like half, that's 40% of the over under. Oh, that's got to be historical. I'm going to google it while you talk. I think we had one similar to that earlier this year, and, and we looked it up, and it's close if it's not historical. But while Evan looks that up, let me go through the injuries. Uh, Jamison Crowder not looking good for Week 8. Brashad Perriman is out with a concussion. Uh, Sammy Watkins is likely out. LaMichael Pirine, not an injury, but worth noting, he played 70% of the snaps last week. So if you like to chase snaps and snap percentage, if you look at the box score, it looks like Frank Gore and... Uh, LaMichael P. Ryan kind of split the game, but if you look at the snap counts, 70-30 in that one. And Mike, that leads right into your question. Is LaMichael P. Ryan flexy? Did you see how I did that there? I like it. Yes, it was a very flexy kind of transition. There you um, go. I like to be flexy bull. You're, you're definitely a flexy boy. And as you mentioned, I mean... It, if you guys don't look at like line scores and stuff like that and don't pay attention, for the most part, you'll see three and a half, four points. So when you see the Chiefs favored by nineteen, it's yeah. it, it's it's like Tyson Buster Douglas kind of kind of odds, forty five to one that and that kind of odds. But um, yeah, for P Ryan, uh, he was solid uh, last week against the Bills, rushing for forty yards on a score. Uh, he also caught two passes. He's a very good receiver out of the backfield. Uh, and he finishes an RB nineteen. So you know with the chefs, the che- chefs, yeah, the chefs, the the chefs. The, remember the Snickers commercial? <laughs> yes, yes, in the end zone, and they printed out chefs. Yes, so that's that's the chefs this weekend. The, the chefs this weekend are the nineteenth easiest to score on for running backs. So they're in that bottom portion, and. You know, I like P. Ryan. I, I you know, I, I think the, the yards are probably not going to be great, maybe like 60 yards or so. But being behind, I could see them just dumping off, dumping off, dumping off, and P. Ryan getting a lot of those receptions because they certainly are not going to be dumping the ball off the Frank Gore. And I, I, I like him as a flex. I, I really do. I don't know how he's probably his ownership is probably very low. But if you own him and you're like in a bye week kind of position or injury bad position, and you're looking at someone, I, I really like Lamichael Le- Pirine as a, as a solid solid flex for you guys. All right, there you go. And on the other side of the field, uh, the guy who cleared space for Lamichael Pirine got him out of there. Get him out of there. Let Bell. Get him out. Lev Bell, revenge game for the ages in this one, and I kind of think it might be Evan. I did some research, and I can't find. Uh... And another example where a skill position player left with such acrimonious, uh, uh, left with such a such a bad taste, then uh, played his team within a month. This is crazy. I am I am getting Le'Veon Bell shares just to root for him, even though I don't think he's going to score or do very well. Maybe I just <laughs> want to have some stake in this game because Le'Veon Bell against Adam Gase. This is going to be amazing and andy reed's just gonna sit there and be like i'm gonna look like such a great coach no matter what happens here yeah no matter what no matter what goes down i'm gonna look like it's gonna be so easy yeah so speaking of the spread i looked it up and 19 and a half 
is the largest spread in the last 70 seasons. It's the third largest spread this century and the ninth largest spread of all time. I always forget that three of the top 10 worst spreads are from the 76-77 expansion Buccaneers. I always forget that. You can never count them out. Oh, okay. Never count out the Buccos, huh? No. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for that information. That's good to know that it's it's a very bad one, but not the worst of all time. Um, so Yeah, there's so, a great documentary on an NFL channel about uh, Jim McKay's and his Buccaneers. If if you really want to see some uh, funny stuff, it, go and watch that documentary. <laughs> Is it just called Pain? It should be. It should be. <laughs> it's called uh, Should We... Uh, uh unexpand this franchise so uh all right let's go let's move on to the next one which is rams traveling to miami rams are five and two the dolphins are three and three 46 point over under rams three and a half point favorites injuries in this one Devonte parker was limited with a groin injury um uh, tyler higby's status is up in the air with a hand thing i couldn't find anything about it today um i would I don't know. Act like you're not going to have him. Uh, try to think of contingency plans, but it is a 10 a.m. game Pacific, so it is the first round of inactives. Those come out at 8:30 Pacific. Don't ask on Sunday. Don't go looking before 90 minutes before game time if you can help it. Just chill out. I get. I don't. I shower at, at between 8 and 8:30, so I don't sit there f- refreshing my my Twitter feed trying to find information. So. Keep that in mind for this weekend. Not me showering the the injury thing. <laughs> <laughs> now I can't keep it out of my mind. Oh my god! There you go. Sorry it's about that, Mike. Mike, I'm sorry to the listeners. You're welcome. Uh, miscellaneous notes I found: Cam Akers zero touches last week. Adam Shaheen two years seventy or seven point six five million dollar extension, and this will be Tua Tungo Iloa's first start. And Mike, you want to know what will we see from Tua? Yeah. So. Let me let me for just first say that I completely dis disagree with this situation. I, I do not see why or how or I mean why two is in in this lineup as a starting quarterback. Uh, a couple reasons: one, Ryan Fitzpatrick has done a great job. Secondly, you, you're throwing him against the the Rams that are the six toughest against quarterbacks. It doesn't you so you just throwing them out to the Lions. Makes zero sense. I can understand sort of the bye week situation because they had a bye week last week and sort of get prepared and that kind of stuff. But you don't throw the guy out in the, against the Lions uh, or Rams, whatever you want to call them, uh, <laughs> as, as the six toughest against running uh, quarterbacks. But so Tua, uh, a little bit about him if you guys are unaware. He's very accurate, good instincts, has a nice deep ball, good field vision. Uh, he can move around the pocket, hit the open wide receiver while on the run, uh, and he's very uh, mistake-proof. He he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. His arm, uh, you're not going to say, okay, he looks like Justin Herbert out there. It, it's it's above above average, but it's not the greatest greatest um, arm. Uh, his mechanics, he needs to get better uh, footwork and anticipation. Um, I'm very interested to see what's going to show up on tape in the NFL against the Rams. But of all teams, you throw them, you throw them against the Rams. I don't like it. We'll see what ends up happening. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping all the quarterbacks, even Jordan Love, 
whenever he gets an opportunity are are great uh, in the NFL. But I'm I'd be very surprised if one of them isn't as great as they came out, and Tua might be one of them. But I could be yeah. wrong. Yeah, and we're actually getting next week. We'll men- while you're mentioning rookie quarterbacks, uh, Jake Luton might be starting next week for the Jags. So we might get another look at a rookie quarterback next week. But I think Tua will be a little bit better than Jake Luton. We'll see how that goes, though. I, I think, would uh, yeah, I would think for fantasy he'd be great because of uh, the legs, sort of a Konami code thing if they let him run. Evan, you are obsessed with Jared Goff's reads. Yeah, the dude's only throwing just over 20 passes per game, which is not enough to support all that fantasy stuff or even Cup and Cooks. So uh, he's also not good enough where I know that I can't make sense of his reads. You know, like I, I don't try to I don't try to watch uh, Patrick Mahomes reads because I'm like, you're playing like four dimensional chess compared to me. But uh, golf is one where I'm like, okay, I, I actually have no idea what you're doing because uh, I haven't watched you. So I'm taking a deep dive and just seeing who to whom he looks. How how is it that Josh Reynolds and Everett got touchdowns last week? Were you were you leaning towards them? What are, what are you doing there? What's your approach? What is the coaching staff having you do? Where does your head turn? Uh, Game Pass has a cool thing where you can watch it. You can watch the camera that is way higher up so you can see where the receivers are and where the quarterback is looking in order. And that's really useful for this is what I'm doing. It's what I'm doing this year. I'm learning to read the quarterback reads. Yeah. Yeah. Evan, that's uh, the, all, that angle? the all 22 coaches film. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. If you click, click the coaches film link, you get the all 22 and you get it from the side, you get two shots. So if, if uh, our listeners are using it for the first time, when you watch a play, you'll get two shots. You'll get one from the sideline sort of elevated and one from the end zone. And uh, some of the angles just before warned are trash. I don't know what's up with the Chicago bears, but their camera angles are always trash. So just so everybody knows uh, it's annoying. So um, yeah. And I was, I've, you know, we've had the uh, unfortunate ability to watch Jared Goff in primetime two weeks in a row. Uh, He just, I don't, I don't know what his reads are. He just seems to be chucking it randomly out into the world and just, See what happens. So uh, maybe it's because he's played two good defenses in a row uh, with the Niners and the Bears. But uh, it's uh, interesting from from Jared Goff. I want to see what's going on there as well. So the game that desperately needs to get flexed to Sunday Night Football is next. And that is the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Pittsburgh 6-0, Baltimore 5-1. Uh, injuries in this one, Eric Ebron for the Steelers had an elbow injury this week. He is full. Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson were both full f- participants on Thursday and Friday uh, after both getting vet days on Wednesday. So if you have Juju or Deontay Johnson and your little Yahoo app tells you, oh, has changed to da- questionable on Wednesday, just ignore it. The Steelers this week or this year every week have given Juju and Deontay Johnson Wednesdays off. If you give a team, a, if a team gives a player a Wednesday off, they have to give them an injury designation. So they've been questionable. So don't worry about it. For the Ravens, Ronnie Stanley got a five-year extension, um, and Mark Ingram is doubtful with uh, an ankle injury. Uh, he was sidelined in practice all week, so it's going to be the Dobbins and Gus Edwards show. And then a little bit of news before we get into the actual game itself: the Ravens signed Des Bryant to their pra- practice squad. Um, when do you think Des Bryant makes his debut this season for the, for the Ravens? Give it two weeks. 2023. What? 2023. 
For why is that for Des Bryant? Because, well, I'm, I'm partly joking, but it. I, I mean, the guy's been out of the league what like four years, and um, all of a sudden he's gonna. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. He might he might make an appearance, and but it, it, what is he gonna do? Four wide receiver sets, five wide receiver sets. I I yeah. I don't see him doing much of anything. I mean, you can poo-poo Des Bryant, but he, I mean, depending on what he has left in the tank, and he missed 2018 with an injury, and then 2019, I forgot he signed with the Saints and then tore his Achilles in camp. But, um, you know, he might be, depending on what he has left in the tank, he might be the second-best wide receiver they have. Then, you know, you know that, that's not a, a bad assessment because, yeah. I mean, they don't have anything really. I mean, Willie Sneed, they, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, behind Hollywood Brown, it's, yeah, like you said, Willie Sneed, um, Devin Duvernay, um, Miles Boykin. He's coming on a little bit as a rookie. He's not too bad. Yeah. Duvernay is more exciting. But uh, here's a a fun thing for you. Uh, 32 years and 112 days versus 31 years and 361 days. Des Bryant is younger than Antonio Brown. Wow. That's interesting. Doesn't feel that way, but he's yeah. younger than Antonio Brown. Yeah, they both came in in 2010, and it feels like Dez was old the entire time he played because, <laughs> uh, you know, his game style was just not getting open, and, you know, it doesn't matter. He'll just jump up and get in anyways. Okay, so, uh, Evan, you want to know about – let's talk about the actual game. You want to know if Deontay Johnson will have a just a normal week, just be normal for one week, neither boom nor bust. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking through Yahoo today earlier and i saw this blurb about deontay johnson's fantasy outlook this week he's a locked in if low end wide receiver too and i'm looking at the last four games 0.9 points 21 points 0.78 points 24 points that is anything but a locked into wide receiver too well he's gonna come in and either get two touchdowns and leave injured or get zero touchdowns and leave injured so i i'm wondering about that because you know me i like my supporting cast to have a high floor and that is not Deontay Johnson. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that he can stay healthy always. And I'm hoping that he can have this wide receiver two week, but until I see it happen, I, I'm not buying it. Okay. Uh, Mike, what do you think about Deontay? Well, I have, I have a little hard problem saying a player is having a bust when he's injured, but if you're looking at just pure points alone, then yeah, that's a situation. But I, I think every time he's not hurt, he's top top twelve, top fifteen wide receiver. It's just whether he can escape injury or not. And I, I yeah, I, I think he's, you know, it's just how risk adverse are you? If if you if you you know feel like you want to roll the dice on him, um, then he, he's probably going to put up those big numbers now against Baltimore. That's going to be tough, but he's, he's been able to show it, you know, when he's healthy for 60 minutes of, of each game. Yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, that's been the big problem with Deontay is him, him uh, staying healthy this year. And, you know, it's hard to swallow the the bad games when he gets hurt on, you know, the second or third play, but uh, if he's been healthy, he's been good. And uh, Mike, you want to know a guy who hasn't been good this year, Lamar Jackson, if he can be a quarterback one for the second time in a row. Yeah, uh, poor Lamar. Uh, 
You know, he's he has not been able to string back-to-back top 12 weeks uh, in all six games that he's played. Uh, he had a bye week last week, but uh, in week seven, he was a QB6. So here's a chance for him to sort of string that together against the Steelers, but it's not going to be easy. The Steelers are the seventh toughest against quarterbacks and fantasy points allowed. However, they do routinely allow two touchdowns per game to quarterbacks. Only Baker Mayfield failed to do that. So Baker Mayfield failing to do something is not too surprising. Uh, it's it's the yards. They they just don't give up a lot of yards to quarterbacks. No team has thrown over 300 yards against them, making, making the matters worse. Jackson, uh, as you mentioned, has not been a good quarterback. He hasn't thrown for more than 200 yards since last month. I, I could see Jackson getting two touchdowns, maybe one throwing, one running, but I, I don't see him getting any more than 250 yards passing. It will be close. I, I could see him any falling anywhere between the top 12 and top 10, but it would not be surprising at all for him to finish in the top, you know, from 12 to 15 either. Okay. Yeah, it w- it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, in this game, with uh, which should be a fun one, um, I'm hoping that this is the the game that I get to watch on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Uh, and I don't get stuck with like Evan. No offense with the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. Offense taken. Yeah, I really don't. I've been stuck with Baker Mayfield or Derek Carr lately, and I don't want to get stuck with both of them. I would much rather watch Steelers and the Ravens. So. Let's go ahead. Let's move on to the afternoon games. Chargers at Denver, 45 point over under. Chargers, three point favorites. Um, injuries in this one uh, for the Chargers. Virgil, Virgil Green went on IR. Ryan Groy, who is a practice squad guard for the Chargers, went on the COVID IR and they practice. They they canceled practice. They didn't practice canceling. They canceled practice. Um, they are taking this very seriously. If you watch Hard Knocks, you know that Anthony Lynn, the head coach of the Chargers, had coronavirus this offseason. So he's taking it very seriously. On the other side, Tim Patrick with his hammy is day to day. Philip Lindsay is likely out with his concussion. And guess what? Right guard Graham Glass now is also on COVID IR. So oh, the good the good news about playing this game is that if there's a breakout on one of the teams, they can't definitively tie it to the other one because it could have already existed. So oh, that's fun. Um, remember when everybody got mad at the Titans for not being careful and this is what we're dealing with now? Um, anyways, uh, Mike, you want to know if this is going to be a Melvin Gordon revenge week? Yeah, so Le'Veon Bell has his chance. Now Melvin Gordon has his opportunity, and the Chargers, their their defense are ninth toughest uh, defense when it comes to uh, allowing uh, running backs fantasy points. Uh, they have allowed just two teams to go over 100 yards. However, those two teams have come within the last three weeks. So I don't know if there's some kind of breakdown in the Chargers' defense, but they went from not allowing 100 yards to in the last three weeks allowing two of them. Uh, you might as well forget about scoring on the ground for Gordon. Only James Robinson has done that. That was last week. Uh, interesting, though, they, they allow running backs to score through the air. And so maybe Melvin Gordon will get a pass, dump off pass, you know, at the five-yard line, take it in. But I, I just don't see a good good output for Melvin Gordon. Uh, I see him more of as a flex opportunity. But 
we'll see. I, you know, it's hard to go against Melvin Gordon, especially uh, Philip Lindsay. I, did you mention he is he out? I think he is doubtful. He's in concussion protocol, so it's one of those things where it's either going to be one or the other. You know, there's no like trending towards it. Let me double check though. Um, while we're talking on that subject, let me double check with um, Roto World really quick while we're talking about that. Philip Lindsay. Um, questionable. Okay. Questionable. Uh, so he questionable. He probably will play. Uh, uh, and you know, definitely keep keep an eye on that. And if, if Philip Lindsay's a go, Philip Lindsay has looked a lot better than Melvin Gordon has. Actually, he has, and, yeah. Um, I I if if it was me, you know, depending on your options, of course. But if Philip Lindsay's a go, Melvin Gordon against this defense, I am kind of like even leaning towards benching Melvin Gordon in this matchup. Oh, wow. There you go. So not feeling great about the Chargers matchup here for Melvin Gordon in his revenge game. I guess the revenge game or the revenge will be for the uh, the Chargers stopping Melvin Gordon in this one. So, all right. Sorry, I was checking Twitter and I saw something get retweeted that I will show you guys. It is a visual joke, also not one that I'm going to put in the podcast. Um, <laughs> um, so Evan, you wanted to know if Justin Herbert was going to continue to lock in on Keenan Allen or what's going on with his binky. Yeah. You know, it's like the binky thing. You're a new quarterback. You've got a great receiver. You tend to lean on him. It makes perfect sense. It's useful. Uh, and he is leaning on Keenan Allen during Keenan Allen's four healthy games, uh, with Justin Herbert at quarterback. He's had 10 or more targets. He had 19 targets one game, uh, 13 last week. And so people are trading for him like he's a, a high-end or medium-end wide receiver one, which he's been playing as. But I'm wondering, as Justin Herbert gets more and more used to the speed of the game, will he start spreading it around to try and chase wins more than just try to stay alive? That's about that. That's about that? <laughs> yeah. It's not, this is not a complicated question. It's only two, there's only two variables. <laughs> That's true. Uh, there are, yeah, only two variables. Justin Herbert killing it. Dug up some fun stats this week. I mentioned him on the bonus. Uh, just say uh, he is in historic territory in terms of touchdowns scored. So between Burrow and Herbert, we're having a great year for rookies. Uh, uh, signal calling, as Mike mentioned earlier in this episode. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next game. It's New Orleans and Chicago. Uh, 43 point over under. The Saints are four point favorites in this one. And we got a whole list of stuff. Uh, Allen Robinson, concussion protocol. Same story as... Philip Lindsay. Uh, we'll see how that develops over this weekend. Um, for the Saints, Michael Thomas is out with ankle and, and hamstring injuries despite being back at practice. Manuel Standers still on COVID IR, and Marquez Callaway with an ankle injury was limited this week. So pay attention to that if you're planning on rolling with Marquez Callaway, who had a good game yeah. last week. So we'll see. And Evan, while we're talking about it, you want to know about the wide receivers in New Orleans? Yeah, because uh, we've got some guys. We've got Deonta Harris and uh, Traquan Smith. And one of them's going to do something. And Marcus right? Calloway. And Mar- yeah, and Marcus Calloway. Okay, wasn't he an undrafted free agent? I do believe so. Yeah, we talked about that uh, yeah, sorry, on Tuesday. They're, they're important, too. I just forget about them because I, I, the draft runs in my brain. So... Whom will it be? It will be. Yeah. Whom will it be? Uh, 
Callaway's looking like the hot, the hot one. He's looking like the one that Drew Brees starts in the end zone. Is that going to continue? I mean, he got 10 targets. So he's doing something right for Drew Brees. So I'd say he's the one to start. But let's see how it shakes out. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. So we'll, Drew Brees we'll, is another one. I'm like, I can't watch your tape and figure out what you're doing with reads. You know? Uh, like, you might be staring down a guy that you're, but you're watching your primary out of the corner of your eye. You're just really good at this. You're better than I. my eyes are. <laughs> almost like he's some sort of Hall of Famer. And uh, yeah. trying to read him has been a problem for uh, defense defensive players his entire career. <laughs> so yeah. you're not going to roll in off the street and figure it out. But, Mike, you want to know something you want to figure out is uh, David Montgomery is going to spend four straight weeks inside the top 24. Yeah. Uh, so week five, he was RB13. Week six, RB15. And week seven, RB21. So he is going downhill. Uh, now the Saints are tough against running backs. They allow the eight fewest points. Uh, only have allowed three touchdowns on the ground and five overall. They also don't allow 100 yards ru- uh, to rushers. Uh, only two teams have gone over 100 yards rushing the ball. Uh, 113 yards is the most they have allowed, and that was the Raiders. I really see David Montgomery's streak coming to a flat end unless he does a lot of receptions out of the backfield, which I don't see either. So, yep, goodbye. You know, hello, great three weeks, week four in a row. No, he's going to be, you know, what, RB25, RB30, somewhere in that that range. Okay. Okay, okay we'll see how that goes this weekend. Um, a game that I will be very interested in. And everybody has a ton of questions about the running backs in this game. Uh, we got San Francisco four and three traveling to Seattle, who are five and one. This is our last afternoon game, one twenty-five start, fifty-three and a half point over under. Seattle three-point favorites. Uh, all the running backs on both sides are questionable. Just don't ask. Just if you can help it, don't start anybody in this game. 49ers have a good run defense. Seattle has a good run defense. No matter who you're starting, you're starting a backup. Just. Or an injured guy. Just You don't have to try to squeeze blood out of every single stone. Because if I say, hey, it's going to be Jermichael Hasty, there's equal chance that it's going to be uh, Jarek McKinnon or, or uh, Tevin Coleman might be back. And if I say, hey, you know what? Roll with DJ Dallas this week. Everybody else is banged up. Well, what happens if Carlos Hyde falls in for two touchdowns with a tight hammy? Both running back situations are a mess. And I, am not, I, I feel like it's trying to squeeze blood from a stone to try to get any sort of value on either side because you might win the the lottery and pick the right guy. You also might lose the lottery and pick the wrong guy. And as of right now, we don't have any way to know. Kyle Shanahan said, uh, Jerk McKinnon has tired legs. What does that mean? (laughs) Tired legs. What does that mean? Did Jarek McKinnon wake up on the wrong side of the bed or something and now has tired legs? I don't know. I think it's because he didn't play for two years and, you know, he was getting a lot of run in the first four weeks and they kind of that caught up with him. But he said he has tired legs. I don't know what that means. Yeah, he had a nightmare. He was running all night long and now he's not running anymore. Yeah, and then uh, uh, on the other side, Pete Carroll, you can't listen to anything Pete Carroll has to say. He's always Mr. Sunshine and Rainbows. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm steering away from every running back in this game if I can help it. And you know what? Here's the thing. A running back is going to go off on oh, yeah. either side. On either side, more than likely. But can I, you tell me right now who it is? No, and, and- 
I, I say this: if you want to, if you want to do a running back from one of these guys, and you want to take a chance, go take it to Fanduel, put it in your GPP lineup, and then you know, uh, go from there. Yes. People keep that, saying uh, McKinnon is a good start because the uh, two of the guys are injured, and I look like this: you put five glasses of water in front of me, and you tell me two of them have poison in it. Then you take two glasses away. I don't say, oh, and now it's much more safe to drink this because those two glasses could have had the poison. Yeah, that's uh, this uh, Alan Robinson thing. People pivoting to Darnell Mooney, you know, saying he's a great start. I'm like, is Alan Robinson being out going to make it easier for Nick Foles to connect with Darnell Mooney downfield? Because he's pretty bad at it so far. And that's been the problem with Mooney. It's just like, you know, uh I don't know. It's it's uh, not a situation that I'm leaning into. Uh, other injuries in this game. Jordan Reed was designated for return. He's probably not coming back in this one. If we're being honest, Tevin Coleman is probably not coming back. Kyle Shanahan said it's more likely week nine against Green Bay because that's the Thursday game. So it's a quick turnaround. So they'll probably hold him off for four days, uh, especially given how their injuries go, uh, you know. We're going to be down to, um, you know, Trent Taylor playing running back for the 49ers by the time this one's over. Debo Samuels out uh, weeks eight and probably nine for Seattle. We talked about the running backs, Homer, Hyde and Carson with a knee, hammy and foot, respectively. Jamal Adams is questionable with a groin injury. He was upgraded from doubtful um, and they signed Alex Collins. Remember Alex Collins? Because he is a Seattle Seahawk now. They signed him to the practice squad, but he cannot play on Sunday. Collins, I believe, was a former Seahawk, too. Oh, he was. Yeah, he went Seahawks. Did he go Seahawks-Ravens or Ravens-Seahawks? I think he went uh, Seahawks-Ravens. Yeah, you're right. I completely forgot that out. Yeah, Seahawks-Ravens, 2016. Yeah, he's the guy who does the Lord of the Dance stuff, right? That I can't tell you. That you can't tell me. They're always showing stuff, the guys on the sidelines, uh, or, or when they're doing the sideline reporting. Um, they're always showing, uh, you know, their little, little cuts, cut ups and his is always, uh, line dancing. So, all right. Questions in this one, Evan, you want to know if every NFC West divisional game is the best game of the week or what? And I say, no, every game involving the 49ers is the most painful game to watch. I don't know. The last four weeks, it's felt like the game of the week has been that NFC West. That's the, one of the best divisions in history, man. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this. Last Although there's not Seahawks. much to learn. Oh, go for it. I was going to say, last week's was Seahawks-Arizona, and then you saying Niners-Rams? That wasn't so good. Yeah, um, so good. The, uh, I guess if I'm watching for something for fantasy, it's how they, they work in Ayuk with uh, Debo out, but I kind of already knew Look. that. Ayuk. <laughs> uh, yeah, so here's my, here's my hot take, okay? Wait, let me see, hold on. Let me see what Mike's question is before I get into my hot take. Okay, Mike, let's get into your question because it leads into my hot take. So, Mike, uh, you want to know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to, I'll say it, fall ass backwards into being a top 12 quarterback this week. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Jimmy G has only thrown three touchdowns in three games. And, you know, all three of those touchdowns came in one game. Uh, so that means of the three, two of them were goose eggs. He also has thrown four picks in that time. But the good news, the shining light, the Seahawks are pathetic against the pass as they allow the most points to quarterbacks. They continuously give up 350-plus yards in the air, two to three touchdowns per game. You know, he should finish as a top 20 quarterback. The, the biggest question is, will he? Uh, 
The highest he has finished is a QB nine two weeks ago. So it is in his makeup. It is in his DNA to finish in the top 12. I say, yes, Jimmy G will finish as a top 12 quarterback. All right. That means the Niners probably win or they're throwing to play catch up with the Seahawks. Um, so here's my take on the 49ers passing game and the Seahawks receiving game. The the wide receiver to put on the 49ers into your GPP lineups this week is not Brandon Aoke. He's not your fan duel guy this week. It's Kendrick Bourne. I am getting an itchy feeling that uh, Brandon Aoke is a trap this week. I don't think that he is going to perform as well as people say for several reasons. One, the reason that teams do so well against the Seahawks is they're throwing constantly. That's not the 49ers game. Jimmy G throws the ball like 28 times. It's it's not it's not what the 49ers are built to do. Two, the Seahawks allow, I believe it's the sixth fewest yards after the catch per reception. If that if you guys can follow that. So guys are are balling out against them, but they're catching the ball and then getting tackled. The 49ers, you know, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, they call themselves the Yak Brothers. They lead the league in yards after the catch. And that's Brandon Ayuk's game. Not a lot of people know Brandon Ayuk. A lot of people know Debo Samuel. Their game is essentially the same. So that's why I think Kendrick Bourne, who is the quote-unquote lead traditional receiver on this team, has a good chance to ball out in this one. And they probably want to get him some redemption from when he had a bunch of drops, his worst game of the year against the Seahawks last year. So I'm not saying run out and go pick up Kendrick Bourne, but I'm saying if Brandon Ayuk doesn't play well this week, understand what I just said. The, the Seahawks, what they do well is stopping the ball, the guys after they catch the ball. Not a lot of guys get catch and runs against them that go very far. Now, a lot of that has to do with like Bobby Wagner uh, being sideline to sideline and, and, you know, blowing up screens and whatnot. But just one of the lowest yards after the catch per reception in the league this year. So just keep that in mind. If, if, if Brandon Aoke doesn't do well and Kendrick Bourne does, just please remember this part. And if I'm wrong, you can forget it. Like I said, it's just a wild hair that I have. I'm not saying go out and pick up Kendrick Bourne or drop Brandon Aoke. You have to start Brandon Aoke if you have him, uh, if you're considering it because the matchup is so good. So, all right, next one up. Dallas and the Eagles, Dallas two and five, the Eagles two, four and one. I figured out last week, boys, a team can win this division with four wins, and that would be the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, if you are rooting for Chaos Ball, uh, let me pull up uh, what I think uh, you need to be rooting for in this one. But as, in terms of injuries, Andy Dalton probably not playing because he's in concussion protocol slash not exactly sure where he is. Uh, two, they released Wardley and Poe, a couple defensive guys. Uh, Poe hasn't been playing well this year. Worley, I'm not so sure. Alshon Jeffrey, uh, foot injury, he's out this week. Djax went on IR. Miles Sanders is out this week. Dallas Goddard is practicing. Jalen Rieger, uh, rookie for these Eagles, is returning from a thumb injury. And uh, Zach Ertz got put on IR. So if you're rooting for chaos, we need Dallas to win this game. Okay? If Dallas wins this game, the 4-11-1 Eagles winning the NFC East is still in play. So, guys, are we rooting for chaos? Yeah, I mean, I'm I need something to root for chaos. in these horrible games. All right, then let's go, America's team. Go, boys. We them boys. 
We them boys, right? Did I say that right? Gross. All right. And uh, Mike, one guy we need to root for is Ben Bendy Nucci, as I like to call him. Uh, will he save this team from combustion against the Eagles? This team being the Cowboys, if you've never heard of Ben DiNucci. Yeah, Ben DiNucci. It's uh, a Ben DiNucci. It's a Ben DiNucci. So, you know, um, if you guys want to take a look at what DiNucci's done as far as in the pros, you can go back to last week and look at it. He he had, I think, I think Dalton went out in a, just a, a brutal hit. Don't watch that. Watch him coming in. He um, they sort of get an idea of who he is against the pro game. Um, you, you know, he was a seventh round pick from James Madison, so there's not like a lot of stuff on him, but he is very accurate uh, when given the protection. He he does he has these crazy arm angles he's gonna throw at uh, he top bottom sideways wherever he can get the ball released he's gonna do so he can buy time with his mobility he does read progressions well and can make all the throws the problem is he's erratic and makes a ton of mistakes um, but when he's comfortable in the pocket. And he's going through his progressions like a pro quarterback. He is a straight dealer. I mean, he'll he'll hit anybody, any window, anytime when he's comfortable. Um, you know, he, he can really make this offense hum like sort of like Dak Prescott was doing. But he'll limit he'll need to limit his mistakes. He's the kind of kind of quarterback that uh, you, you're going to be driving down the field. Everything looks great takes it from the 25 all the way down to the 10, and then throws a pick six. That's the kind of player Danucci is. Hopefully he can throw a touchdown for the Cowboys because they're in just bad shape. But I think he's going to be give the Cowboys a lot better shape than what Andy Dalton was doing. Andy Dalton was just horrid, absolutely garbage. Um, and I think Danucci gives him a better opportunity. So with that said, Bring back in, put back in your CD Lambs and your Mari Coopers and uh, Ezekiel Elliott should find now holes to open up through. Maybe not right away because people aren't going to really be afraid of Danucci. Defense coordinators aren't going to be really worried about it. But the more he progresses, the better off they're going to be. And so, yeah, I, I really want to see if Danucci can save this horrible defensive Cowboys team. Um, from complete destruction because that's exactly where it was headed with Andy Dalton. Mm, okay. That's good to, uh, good to keep in mind there with Ben DiNucci. Cause uh, I didn't see a whole lot out of him um, in college. There wasn't a lot of cut ups. It was mostly a highlight reel. So we'll see how, uh, how he progresses in this one. So maybe don't freak out um, about your pass catchers yet is what it sounds like. Yeah, and you know he he did have a stint with Pitt, um, Pitt the college, and I think he had some time with Texas. So he's not like just some dude out of James Madison where you're just like, oh okay. So he went to a really bad school. He was a seventh round pick, and he's a really bad quarterback. I I really think that the seventh round pick and James Madison do him no favors. I think he's much better than that. Okay, sounds good. So Evan, in this one, uh, you want to know if. You're insisting on picking up a waiver wire player, to, so it's not a boring game. Yeah, although now that I'm rooting for maximum chaos, I'm not as not as worried about that. But yeah, sometimes 
a board game. I'll go to like my least my least interested league, and I'll I'll throw in a, a guy from there if it's a decent start. And if if that's something you're wanting to do, uh, uh, listeners, uh, you can't do anyone on Dallas, uh, obviously, because they're all taken. Uh, on Philadelphia, uh, Greg Ward is available in ninety percent of Yahoo leagues, and he had six targets, caught five of them last week. Uh, the the the. I don't want to say mainstream media because that's such a charged term. The big sites are down on him because they are wondering if Alshon Jeffrey might play. Uh, people, Alshon Jeffrey has missed the first seven weeks. This is he's he's injured. If they trot out Alshon Jeffrey, that's not Alshon Jeffrey. That's a that's a doppelganger they hired off the streets. There, that's a Melania. So I think that you can start Greg Ward and get a safe floor of like five to seven points if you want some skin in this game. Don't do it in your big money league, though. Goodness gracious. This is not real fantasy advice. It's just for ways to entertain you. I would. uh, That's a good good. note, Evan. But I would rather root for Chaos Ball, baby. This is the only game. This is the only game that keeps Chaos Ball going this week. Because. Oh, no. The. um, That's not true. Uh, Who the Giants. This next game up plays the Buccaneers. So we need the Giants to lose and Dallas to win. And Chaos Ball is still alive because Washington's on a bye this week. So, all right, boyos, let's talk about the last game of the week. Tampa Bay five and two Giants one and six. Uh, Scott Miller with a hip and groin injury is limited in this one. Chris Godwin had finger surgery and is out for the foreseeable future. Uh, Bruce Arian said Leonard Fournette is his quote nickel running back so you're talking passing downs you're talking third downs you're talking uh the guy out there getting the ball he said he took that role from LaShawn McCoy so this might be marginalizing McCoy and growing a role for Fournette uh big news roster all right that's uh, that's the sound of me ripping out the page uh that says no talking about Antonio Brown he's on his team now so if you this is your first uh episode we had a, a blanket rule where we decided to stop talking about antonio brown until he actually signed with the team and uh he's a buccaneer now so he's not going to play this week so i would monitor what's going on with the wide receivers this week uh with mike evans especially and uh, with scotty miller and um we'll see what's going on there we'll worry about antonio brown next week i think he's not going to play this week let's not waste breath on Antonio Brown this week. So we can talk about him as the host. I've said, we can't talk about him yet. I'm not going to allow it. Fine with me. All right. We got a couple of Tampa Bay questions in this one, because here's the question. My question for the giants. Why? Why? Why are you the way you are? New York. Uh, there are injuries. Devonta Freeman, ankle missing practice. Shepard toe limited. Uh, left guard Will Hernandez is on COVID IR and their whole offensive line quarantine. So remember what we learned last week? Don't start your running back going up against one of the best uh, defenses in the league when your offensive line has to quarantine because of COVID-19. Who knew that rule would come into effect the next week against the same team, the Buccaneers? What are the Buccaneers doing that are like making this a much easier process for them? Tom Brady sending out TV TB12 food buckets that all have coronavirus all over them and he's sending them to the be. offensive linemen he must be and they're just like enjoying those buckets way too much because that is just extremely the odds of that happening are just insane yeah it's nuts so uh i don't know if i said the over under 46 tampa bay 10 and a half point favorites i think uh take tampa bay 
by a lot more than ten and a half. Mike, is Gronk back? You, you see what I did there? Gronk back. Is, I was going to say, back. is Gronk, parentheses, back? Question mark <laughs> is also a question. Um, and, you know, I think as much as we're talking about A.J. Green, I think Rob Gronkowski is the same way. I, I, I'm going to say that this future Hall of Fame tight end uh, was a tight end six in week six and a tight end two in week seven. And perhaps we just rushed to judgment and just needed a little bit more time. Uh, the Giants are tough against the tight end position. They are ninth toughest to score against. Uh, New York has only allowed one touchdown and no more than six receptions to uh, any team. But if Gronk can do it, Gronk can do it. And I'd be interested to see if he can make it three straight weeks. Because I tell you, tight ends, uh, consistency is insanely all over the map. Uh, uh-huh. Outside of Travis Kelsey, there, there isn't any kind of consistency doesn't exist. So to see Gronkowski being a tight end two, tight end six, couple weeks in a row, why not? We'll see if he, if he can make a three. Uh, I'm going to say he does. Okay. Well, that'd be nice to know, uh, given how many people overdrafted him. Be nice for him to actually start to reward people. Um, and it's kind of been an inverse relationship with Mike Evans. So I don't think Evans and Gronk can both be good for this team. Um, right now, but speaking of two guys who don't like each other, uh, or, or maybe they do, I don't know. They they didn't ask to be on the same team. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, round eight. Evan, ding. It's actually round five. I realize now. I forgot about those three weeks when Fournette did not start. And what's those are those those are t- those are chaos. Okay, <laughs> it's interesting because uh, I think it's become forgotten a little bit because Ronald Jones has emerged, uh, but. In the four weeks when they both played, uh, Ronald Jones has been the fantasy leader twice, and Leonard Fournette has been the fantasy leader twice. And the thing that people say, Ronald Jones apologists say about that is, well, yeah, but they were ahead by a lot, so they brought in, you know, uh, Leonard Fournette, to which I say, did you look at the schedule? They're playing the Giants. Tampa Bay's favorite win by double digits here. So this is going to be an exciting one to see who comes out on top. Yeah, this will be a this will be a, a lot of like answers to questions all on one team really. It's just on the Tampa Bay side. I've never seen so many so much intrigue on the Tampa Bay side, and then the other the other side are just like ah, whatever. Like the Giants, ah, they're they're hideous. Who can take anything week to week from them? So, boyos, week eight is in the books for the previews. Are you guys ready to talk FanDuel? Heck yeah! Oh, yeah, I, I think we second, know who won. I got the second highest score of all time, not counting this week. Did you really? Yeah, isn't that hilarious? Oh, no, you did. To yourself, you broke your own record. No, no, no. Of every score, take away this week, of every score any of us had, I had the second highest score this week. That's what I'm saying. Uh, oh, it's Mike's record. Mike, fit 155.4. Yeah, so you had 152.4, second I highest was- at... I was feeling pretty good. <laughs> I was feeling pretty good too. Shoot. I would have won in one, two, three, four, four weeks this year. I would have won, but I got third. All right, Mike, uh, take it away. Wait, hold on. I got a completely different score. If you scroll down to week eight, I got a completely different score for Jeff and Mike. Oh, what's going on? Yeah, I had Jeff as, as coming Whoa. at 106. We yeah. got controversy here, boyos. Mike, what are you trying to pull, huh? <laughs> Well, I got 174, so I'll take it. 
Ah, that's right. You still won. Dag, nabbit. What, yeah, what, that, what that, that was the big news for me. Is I'm like, I got the second highest score that anyone has in the first six weeks, and I'm going to come in last. <laughs> oh, did did you did you fill in the rest, Jeff? No, I didn't touch it. Oh yeah, no, I, there was a couple blanks for late games. Oh, Evan did. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah Evan filled because because when I tallied it up, I um I just saw what was there, and okay. Okay. Yeah, I double checked oh. this one because I didn't want to screw it up. So I think these numbers are pretty accurate. Once I and I remember, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. it doesn't it doesn't change the the order. It just changes the overall points. So, my, uh, Mike, why don't you go take no, it no, away? No, no, you come in second, Jeff. Yeah, I do come. Aha! It's, that's why it's important for me because it's really statistically funny that I scored the second wow. highest of score of the year and yet came in third for the week. Like I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> Well, try being better. Have you considered that? <laughs> I, did, I got better. I was second highest. You guys just got betterer. Betterer. Better yeah. All right. Let's now. Let's hear it, Mike. Let's hear what's what's going on. Yeah, that's brutal, Evan. That's that's. <laughs> um. So, god damn, 174 points. I'll take that every week. Uh, yeah, so, Mike. You could have made some money if you just playing against us, Stumps. Um. Yeah, so I, I came in first with 174. Jeff, 166. That, that All three of us can make money. Because um, I, I think it, 151 is the cutoff for, like, dollar events and stuff. So if you make anything over, like, 151, you're you're guaranteed some money. Um, at least the things I play. And then, yeah, virtually uh, guaranteed some money. Yeah, so uh, 166, 152. All great scores, unfortunately. Evan... Yeah, just the worst week to to have. It's like it's like fantasy football when your team scores, you know, the best in in four weeks of all teams, and then you lose because that other team scores even more than you do, and you're just like, what do yeah. how do I win? How do I win? It's yeah. just impossible. Um, what do I do here? Giving good advice now to our to our listeners. Ah, who cares about that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't need that. Yeah. Um, overall. Totals, Mike, 905. Jeff, 800. 800. Yeah, I'll go with 100. Uh, 846. <laughs> and then Evan is in second place with 874. I'm, I'm digging myself out of the hole I had from two two out of the first four weeks. I was under 90. So I'm digging myself out of that hole. Yeah, you're yeah you're, you're, you're inching your way. That's right. But Mike has won four out of the – or five out of the, the – Eight weeks so far. Seven weeks so far. Four out of seven. All right. Anyways, let's talk about this week because I can't talk. Mike, who you is... You rehearse this segment. <laughs> this is the best take. This is our 15th take of this, you guys. We've been doing this for four and a half hours, just this segment. Uh, All right. Mike, you want to talk your FanDuel lineup for this week? Absolutely. So, at quarterback 7,300, Derek Carr. Uh, running backs, I have uh, 8,200, Kareem Hunt, 9,200, Dalvin Cook, wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, 6,600, A.J. Brown, 7,500, A.J. Green, going with the Jays um, all the way across the board uh, at 5,800. Another J, Jeff Graham, or Jimmy Graham. Um, <laughs> Graham. I'm just going to call him Jeff Graham from now on because, That's you know, um, I'll take it. Jimmy- Jimmy, Jimmy Jeff Graham, 
5400 at Flux. Um, hopefully, he doesn't be a yuck uh, for me. Yuck. Uh, 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 so I, I am going against what your 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 words of not playing um, be a yuck um, in um, in this FanDuel lineup. Uh, 5900. We'll see how it turns out. And hopefully you're wrong about with what you were saying. And defense, the New England Patriots, 4,100 against the Bills. All right. All righty. All righty. Um, so let's go ahead, Evan. Let's talk about your lineup. And I did do a little uh, uh, um, espionage because you one of your questions was, is this the revenge game of all the revenge games for one of your guys? So I was like, okay, I got to put him into my lineup. So if he blows up. You know, it doesn't pull pull Evan ahead of me. So Evan- yeah, this is this is my revenge week. I I, I made my my lineup with maximum anger. So I think Green Bay is going to crush Minnesota. So give me Rodgers for eighty four hundred, Adams for ninety one hundred, and throw Jamal Williams in there for seven thousand. Fine. And then uh, Kareem Hunt for eighty two hundred. Gotta feel like the Raiders don't you know have a very good run offense is what what I hear for the last decade. Uh, then of course Bell. For 6,000, the revenge game, revenge games. I don't think he's going to have a high floor because we don't know how the game script's going to go. But again, maximum anger. That's the number one on the angry scale. Uh, Deontay Johnson, I put in there. Uh, that was, I had 6,200, uh, like 6,500 left over. And I'm like, I guess I need a wide receiver. Let's do Deontay. All right. <laughs> and then uh, I'm liking, wow, two Cleveland Browns, Rashad Higgins and Harrison Bryant. Harrison Bryant was an easy one for me, even though I don't think anyone's big on rookie tight ends. The way that Baker Mayfield does his reads, or he just scans the half of the field, looks at the tight end, and then if a receiver breaks open, he he throws to the receiver. Otherwise, he just checks it to the tight end or something else. I think that uh, every time he looks on whatever side OBJ was going to be on, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, no one's catching my eye downfield. And he's going to throw it uh, a lot more to tight ends. And Higgins because uh, just I need I had fifty five hundred I had I had like eleven thousand left over and I needed two wide receivers so I just went with Deontay and R Higgins those weren't my biggest picks and then I like the Chargers defense I don't even remember who they are playing whom are they playing but the Chargers are playing Denver okay oh okay well there you go I heard a stat today somewhere I don't remember where I heard it but I heard that Drew Locke is really bad at hitting guys correctly and oftentimes misses them by a lot um yeah so from the top Aaron Rodgers Kareem Hunt Le'Veon Bell Devontae Adams Deontay Johnson Rashad Rashad or Rashard uh R. Higgins uh Harrison Bryant Jamal Williams and the San Diego but now the, the nay San Diego Los Angeles Chargers Okay. There was a lot of just like half finished thoughts there towards the end, but <laughs> yeah. that's what happens when you act on maximum anger. There you go. Uh, mine is not on maximum anger. Mine is made out of maximum love. So Ryan Tannehill, welcome. Come on in. Derek Henry, welcome. Come on in. Pretty much however the the Titans are going to score, except for jet sweeps. I will get those points, and I think there will be a lot of that. So Tanny Henry, come on in. Le'Veon Bell, I think you will have a good game. I think Andy Reid, I have a mental image of Andy Reid and Le'Veon Bell laughing it up on the sidelines, and then it cuts to Adam Gase, you know, huffing smelling salts and making crazy eyes. So I think that Le'Veon Bell is going to have a good game, so I went with him. Justin Jefferson, Jarvis Landry, you folks are also welcome in. Uh, Landry, because I think he's going to get a buttload of targets. A.J. Green, um, 
going to chase the 24 targets in the last two weeks. Darren Waller. I'm going to go with Waller in this one. Uh, Jonathan Taylor as my flex and the Tennessee Titans defense against the Bengals. The Bengals are a sack machine and I am banking on lots of sacks in this one. So Tanny, Henry, Lev Bell, Justin Jefferson, Jarvis Landry, Alexander Johnson Green. I don't know if that's his name. Darren Waller, Jonathan Taylor, Thomas, and the Tennessee Titans defense. All right, boyos, we did it. Week eight is in the books for our work for this. So when we come back next week, we will review the week eight slate on Tuesday. And we will also be doing a preview of the week nine Thursday night football, which is Packers at Niners, which uh, we'll see how many 49ers are injured and out for that one, uh, as is the want for the Niners. So thanks for listening, everybody. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Also, tell a friend. If you didn't like what you heard, please don't rate and review. Just subscribe and don't tell a friend. So for Mike, for Evan, this is Jeff. Thanks for listening, and you have a good one. Bye-bye. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And new locations on every single street, saving the global economy. In my dream about spirit Halloween. I haven't specified the terms of my payment Was it $1,000 for each 100 retweets? She said, yep I said, sweet My Venmo was at Nicholas Dash Let's go Dash One Before she hung up, she said She was a skeleton Official theme for Spirit Halloween Guaranteed to give you a thrill Hell to the Queen, this is Spirit Halloween Haunting the buildings of every business Jeff Bezos killed